You're listening to episode 33 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today's episode is all about raising kids to look after and be aware of our environment. The environment and how to look after it has been a topic that even I was learning about when I went to school, which was many years ago. And back then, I remember learning a lot about recycling and we'd have, you know, school days where we'd all go and plant trees uh, and we'd be involved in initiatives like, you know, Clean Up Australia Day and, and talk about pollution and those kinds of things. And and the environment and how to look after it is really it's an ongoing topic, isn't it? Uh, we're raising kids with an awareness of how to nurture the environment, how to look after our planet. And it really does continue to be something that we need to incorporate in our everyday. My guest today is a children's author and a previous teacher, and I would say a self-confessed eco-warrior who shares her tips and her strategies on how to raise kids with a connection to nature and to their environment. So let's get this chat started with my special guest today. Joining me today is Karen Tyrrell. Karen is an award-winning child empowerment author and early childhood teacher. Karen creates books to empower kids to live strong and care for the environment. Her Songbird book series teaches kids to save the bees, the trees, and the seas. Karen's book, Songbird Rainforest Rescue, was shortlisted for the Speech Pathology Australia Book of the Year Awards. And she's even had a letter of support sent to her from Sir David Attenborough for her songbird book, The Great Barrier Reef Rescue. Karen won an Arts Queensland grant for picture book, Ready, Set, Discover Logan, where kids explore the environment. Karen's book, Rainforest Rescue, was also highly recommended by the Children's Book Council of Australia in December 2018. Karen is a wonderful author. She does a lot of speaking, lots of motivational speaking. She presents an amazing amount of workshops every year, and she's a very interactive and engaging storyteller and children's pantomime performer. Her eco-topics include caring for the environment, bees, rainforests, and the reef. Karen, welcome to Chat About Children. Sonia, lovely to be here. You have been so busy, so busy, a busy bee. I wanted to put that like, that's a bit of a silly joke, but you've been a busy bee doing so much work about environmental topics. So I'm just going to start right there and just say, what inspired your pathway to get into, I guess, those environmental themes and topics? What was the catalyst and what made you want to follow that path to write about those themes? Well, I suppose it started as a school teacher. When I was a school teacher, I taught environmental topics way back before it was trendy to do so. I taught grade one and grade two in Sydney and Brisbane. I was a gifted and talented teacher. That means I had the I taught the A classes and also other times the sort of the mainstream classes. I was the school science coordinator. I organised hands-on eco-excursions to King Island in Brisbane and also to the Brisbane Science Centre. I had a hands-on worm farm just outside my classroom. Fantastic. So I've Fantastic. been doing this for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of been the catalyst. So what made you decide, you know what, I'm going to write children's books or I'm going to write kids' books about this? 
Okay. Well, as you can hear that I'm a long-time greenie, a rainforest hiker. I've hiked in rainforests for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. I've been, I took my kids there when they were toddlers. I've been snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef and I just love spending time in nature. I'm also passionate about bully prevention and my book, Songbird Superhero, is about a bully girl and how she became empowered through science and through singing. And that was originally just going to be a one-off book. Then I thought, well, after she becomes an empowered girl and she's, you know, saved the school, what else can she save? And I thought the natural progression for me was then she saves the environment because that's my other passion. Yes. So that's what I did. (laughs) Yep. So that was the catalyst. That's what got you started because there's four books in the series, aren't there? Yes, that's right. There's Songbird Superhero is the bully prevention book about a bully girl, how she saves her little brother, herself and the school. And then book two is Songbird Battle of Bug World, all about saving the bees. Book three is Rainforest Rescue, all about saving the trees the trees and the rainforest. And it's also got a an, an Indigenous theme as well woven in. And four is Great Barrier Reef Rescue, all about saving the Great Barrier Reef. Fantastic. And Karen, you meet so many kids, you do a lot of author visits at schools, etc. So, you know, obviously part of what you do is education. And as you do those visits and you're meeting kids, what are you finding that they're needing to know the most in terms of how to best look after it? Well, they're really after very simple things that they can do themselves. So it's things that they can do that make a difference, things they can do at home, things they can do at school, things they can do in the in the community. So practical activities, things like how to grow and nurture plants from seeds and how to care for their own personal garden or how to grow and cook their own food, how to recycle their school garbage and also their home garbage, how they can help their parents and their family. So there's lots of, you know, easy things that kids can do. And do you find that over the years that you've been kind of meeting children that you've seen an increase in their awareness and their understanding of all these areas and these practical strategies? What are you seeing? Well, there's been a huge, huge increase in what I'm seeing. Parents are getting their kids involved in projects they're doing at home and about what they're purchasing in the supermarket, you know, how they're using public transport and planting trees around the home. And the parents are also reading eco-books to their children. And I, my next-door neighbours, that could be examples, they have their own Australian, Australian stingless bees in the gun. They've got three girls and yep. they nurture the, the bees, you know, together and they produce their own honey. This nice. is all doable things they can do, you can do around the home and around school. Fantastic. So there has been an increase, so that's positive. And it's just taking that, I guess I'm saying well, in my years, and I'm not kind of in your exact niche, Karen, but I guess when I look from outside in, I'm certainly seeing a shift in awareness in kids in knowing to recycle things or at the shopping centre, there'll be one bin for recyclables and one bin for general waste. So do you feel like there are things like that going on that are supporting looking after the environment? They're just kind of weaving into society a little more? Definitely. I'm not sure what's happening in Sydney because I I live in Brisbane now, not Sydney, but all the local councils are all part of that eco-movement as far as they're organising eco-festivals, they're getting their communities to recycle in the different types of bins. They provide free community gardens for people who may be in a unit that might not have access to land to grow things. 
there's so many things that families and children can do. So recycling is one of that sounds like the most kind of obvious one that yeah. you know is getting pushed, I guess, from not pushed, but getting is facilitated by council. And just recently here in, in Sydney, Australia anyway, we had a major supermarket giving seedlings to customers, you know, when you'd spend a certain amount of money and they'd give you seedlings and there was this whole promotion. And look, the kids loved it. They loved that opportunity to grow seedlings. I'm seeing more schools with veggie patches and growing their own produce. And the same with childcare centres as well, starting to grow their own produce and getting kids involved at that age and stage. Do you think that there's more that you think could be done at schools and childcare when it comes to kind of looking after the environment or do you think they're doing an okay job? What's your feel? I know there's, I'm not sure sure what's happening in Sydney, but in Queensland, there's a big sort of groundswell of nature play, starting with children as young as two, playing in the outdoors, you know, manipulating, you know, the outdoors, like counting leaves, counting sticks, making all the curriculums involved in um, the environment in some way. And, you know, sandpit play, yeah. 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 So you're seeing it more in all that nature play? Oh, definitely. It's a big drive to it. I've been hiking now for 30 years, as I said. I'm seeing more and more families taking children and babies on a walk, take, putting the babies in those sort of backpack things or the front pack things. And, um, taking, and that's, and that's what we did when we moved to Queensland. We took our children in walks when they were the age of four and six. They went on their first 30-minute rainforest walk. Not yeah. well. So we moved to Queensland and we've been doing it ever since. Now they're a little bit older. They sort of do it with their friends. But, you know, I'm proud that both of my kids are avid gardeners mm-hmm. and I'm the recyclers and there's so many things. So just I think just enjoying nature, having a love and a respect of nature, wanting that environment to keep going and existing, not, not wanting it to deplete in any way. Yes. So it sounds to me like you're saying if we're wanting to raise kids to look after the environment, we need to actually facilitate a relationship with the environment. That is a positive one. And one of those things is spending time in nature through some of those things you're talking about, going for a walk, doing that. Using the five senses. Yeah. Tell me more about the five senses. Well, when, you know, it's going outside, breathing the fresh air, hopefully, listening to the birds, tasting and smelling the herbs in your garden, touching and feeling all different textures of nature. It just gives you a rapport with nature. And it's not only good for, you know, you know, educational things, but also for your mental health. People that are attuned to nature are also often attuned to their own emotions and their own happiness. Yes, yes. That may be a personal point of view, but that's one of the reasons why I started walking in the first place, to keep myself balanced and happy and sane, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm no expert on the area, but I know I've come across articles where they do talk about things like, you know, reconnecting with nature and slowing down, particularly for the city dwellers, slowing things down a little and getting back into a rhythm that is more of a natural rhythm you know, walking barefoot in the grass and and on the sand and those kinds of what you're describing, those sensory kind of activities that are going to connect you more to nature and to the environment. So there's some great tips, you know, there's some great things that I think for some families, it might be more automatic though, Karen. And I think for others who are more in the city, I think there can be a bit more of a sense of detachment sometimes, you know, from the environment for some. It's, It's not always 
a natural thing to think about. And in Australia, we might have more opportunity to do it, but in other parts of the world, it might be a different challenge or experience for them. So do you feel like, and this is going to be a tricky one to answer, but do you feel like on a global level, do you feel like there'd be a simple way that someone who's a little bit detached from the environment or nature, is there a simple way that they can take a first step in connecting a little? I think the first thing would be like on a family level in your house, the people in your house to get involved in a garden. If you can't grow a garden because you have an apartment or a unit, start with the free seeds from Woolworths and start growing in little pots, little herbs and something simple. Getting involved on a community level, find out where your community garden is and, you know, help raise the chooks there and help tend the gardens. You can have your own sort of patch there. And, as I said, using your five senses, enjoy the birds. You know, the birds are a gift for all of us to be able to tap into and something that we can connect with by listening to birds and having, you know, birds come over and just connecting with them and listening and talking to birds because often birds will try to talk back and in their own language. So we actually, I live very close to a forest. I don't have any fences. I live on a house in stilts. So we have, you know, I wouldn't say hundreds of birds each day, but we have quite a few and the birds know us and they come over and we just have a wonderful connection with rainbow lorikeets and king parrots and kookaburras and we just love it. We just enjoy every moment. So it sounds that way. And I wonder, has all of that kind of led you to create the Songbird book series? Is that why it's because of your love for birds and nature? Is that where it all came from? And its whole family, we had a cockatiel for 25 years. And that's just an example. I was a talking cockatiel and we just had a beautiful relationship with our bird and with our local birds where we've lived for, you know, for the last 20 years. And our children have all grown up with loving animals. And that's also part of it too. Loving, we have wallabies, but we don't feed them bread because we know that's not good for them and things like that. So we just let them, you know, graze on the grass and everything. But I think it's just having a relationship with nature. And even for someone in living in a unit, they can always just, you know, enjoy the birds that come over to the balcony and grow those little plants and just breathe the fresh air and be a storm watcher because that's also another way you can connect with the environment. Watch the storms, celebrate the rainbows because they're all glorious things that we should be stopping and putting our phones and devices down and just enjoying nature as it comes in a mindfulness way. I don't know if you know about mindfulness, but that mindfulness is part of connecting with nature. Yes. It's a mental health approach. Yeah. And look, it certainly would keep people more present. You know, as I mentioned, we have in the cities a very different paced kind of life and brains are working at different paces. And then that kind of changes once there's that step into nature, which I guess is why a lot of people will will go on a holiday, Karen, and then we'll go back and reconnect with nature. So, Well, hopefully they do. They don't just fly to another city and just walk around another city, but they go find out where the waterfalls and the rainforest and the, you know, the beaches are and the islands and all those wonderful places in nature that we can enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about, with the Songbird series, I understand that they encourage kids to save the bees, the trees and the seas. So what age group are these books relevant for? Okay. Generally, 7 to 12 would be in a general, but also we have 
parents reading the books to five-year-olds. They might read one or two chapters per night. And also I have some adults and enjoy my books, especially people on the autism spectrum. They live in their 20s and they are avid followers of mine. And that's just wonderful just to show that, you know, my books are fun and they're exciting. I suppose it's, you know, like a thrilling adventure. But underneath there, there's, you know, positive messages about, you know, caring for the environment. Absolutely. So with Saving the Bees, do you know much about what's happening with the bees at the moment? Like what's the bee status? Well, I know I couldn't tell you exact percentages. I mean, I did know it when I was writing the book, but I just know that the bees are depleting, especially in sort of city areas. And so we ask children to do things, simple things like leaving dishes of water out in their in their backyard, especially near garden areas where they have flowers and plant flowers. Because yeah. bees need flowers to survive. And they especially love bright colours, you know, the bright purples and yellows and reds and things like and colours like that. And you put a little dish of water there so the bees can have a little drink because they get very thirsty in the drought. Mm, okay, so planting bright flowers for the bees. Excellent. A lot of herbs have got flowers too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot of herbs do have flowers. And what about when we're looking at the trees? Like how would a child feel that they can look after the trees? There's only so much that a child can do, obviously, but what is it? the message here? What's the message for them? The message is plant more trees. Plant more trees at school, plant more trees in your backyard, in your front yard, on your balcony, wherever you can plant a tree, plant a tree and be part of community tree planting groups too. Yes, yes. There's groups in the local community that that, that plant trees, you know, in um, parks and gardens and national parks. Yep, yep. And I would imagine some kids would be saying, why? Why do we need to plant a tree? <laughs> so what you, what's your what's your typical response to that one, Karen? Well, well, tree, well, trees are the ox, oxygenators, I suppose, of the planet. Without trees, we don't have as much oxygen. We need trees. We need trees to survive. And trees also. A lot of people don't realize this, but tree. The more trees you have, the more clouds you have, the more rain you have. So if you chop down trees, you're going to have less clouds and less rain. So uh-huh. it's really, really important. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's a big equation. I was speaking to a, a scientist from the local council at Supernova the other day, and she was drawing little pictures about trees and rain and clouds and rain for me. So I was just getting trying to get some clarification on something. Yeah, from actually from my next book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and of course, all your books based on all that research, of course, um, yes. as to what is currently going on um, with the with the bees, trees, and the seas. Um, now, I'll take it back a step, going back to the bees. So, if a child asks why, like, why do we? Okay, we're planting the the flowers, and we've got the water out, and we're you know trying to nurture the bees or attract the bees. Why? We need bees because bees help us make food, okay? They make and help us make um, uh, herbs, multiply the herbs, multiply the um, the food crops, the vegetable crops. Without bees, we wouldn't have, a, we wouldn't have as much food. And we, we're people. We need food. We need food now and we need food in the future. It's just, okay. a, simple, just a simple equation. Bees equals food. <laughs> yes, yes, simple way to explain it. Okay, so then and we move to... actual healthy food. 
Yes. Natural healthy food we're talking about too. Yes, 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 yes. Good point. So then if we look at um, the seas, how helping yes. kids or encouraging kids to save the seas, is this just not polluting the seas? What else can kids do? There's so many things. I mean, it could be, you know, the pollution part is a very important part, but also also the growing the trees and the oxygen and the rain and, and you know, it's all, all these things are all, they all, one helps another, but also things like, you know, straws, straws get stuck in turtles' airways and things like that. And some marine creatures that are, are suffering at the moment with all the plastic straws. So there's a big push for paper straws or even better metal straws. So you keep reusing that straw again or have no straws at all. But also boats. Boats should be very careful to keep away from areas where there's uh, marine creatures, where there's coral, because there's um, a lot of animals get, get hurt by the propellers of boats and also the net from boats. So there's quite a lot of things happening, a lot of, a lot of things that children can do by just being aware of it because children can tell their parents about it. They can write a letter to somebody and, and make a difference and have a little sort of give their opinion on what things could be done. Yes, absolutely. So I think there you're, you're really just highlighting that there is stuff that kids can do. Yes. Definitely. Because I think sometimes they they might feel a little bit like, well, they'll look at their carers, you know, parents, carers, guardians, etc. And, you know, they might feel disempowered, like, well, that's not what so-and-so does, so I'm going to follow suit. So I guess what the work you do is raising that awareness and that education so they can actually go, oh, this is something that I can do personally and make a decision to whatever it might be, not throw something, you know, when they're at the beach, not throw something in the water or those things. So fantastic. So tell me a bit about the letter you got from Sir David Attenborough. What did he have to say? I sent Sir David Attenborough a copy of my book, Great Barrier Reef Rescue, never expecting to hear from him. And I think it was two weeks and two days later he sent me a letter from England with the letterhead from, from you know from David Attenborough's you know studios where he makes all his wonderful movies. Mm-hmm. I wish you every success in helping to protect the Great Barrier Reef. Yours sincerely, David Attenborough. Well, so you definitely got his support there, and we know that he's done some shows down at the Great Barrier Reef too, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, he's been there several times. As I think in his Blue Planet series, was um, the Great Barrier Reef was included in that. And he's actually made a lot of um, comments about um, what children, what people can do in Australia to help the Great Barrier Reef. Fantastic. Well, congrats. Congrats for kind of getting your, your the word out there and, and spreading the word, Karen. Yeah, thank you. I feel very passionate about it and I've been feeling passionate about the environment for a long time. So this to me was just like the next, next step. I don't know how many times I've gone snorkelling at the Great Barrier Reef. I've taken my children snorkelling and how much we've just enjoyed every moment, especially when we come face-to-face to a giant turtle or, a, you know, like a you know giant fish, and it's just been amazing for us. Oh, it sounds amazing. And it's, look, it's an experience that not everyone will have in their lives. And I feel like, as I said before, it's, it's, it's building that relationship. And in Australia, I think there's so many wonderful opportunities that we can do it. And hopefully in other countries around the world, they will look at ways that they can connect with nature in their own way that suits their immediate environment. So tell me, Karen, what is, if you had like one key 
take-home message that you would want to get out there to, to parents, carers, and even professionals who work with children? What would you like to say to them? Well, children naturally love immersing in environmental activities. It's just a natural thing that children love doing. So because, it's, because of that, if um, children think it's fun, they can see immediate results. It develops children's community spirit, their eco-awareness, and also their self-reliance that they can do something that makes a difference. And I just love Greta to pieces, and, and, the, and she's only a child herself, barely a child, or barely older than a child, I suppose. But um, and like Greta, kids are concerned and want to be involved and to doing something worthwhile for the planet, because this is our planet. And Absolutely. We, you know, we need to step up and look after it. Now, and you've mentioned Greta. Do you, can, for some people out there who don't know who Greta is, can you just give us a quick one-liner on, on who Greta is? Greta Thunberg is an advocate for looking after the world's environment. She's a 16-year-old girl from, I think she's Sweden or Norway, and she's been meeting with world leaders and asking people to step up and do proactive things to make a difference. Fantastic. Fantastic. Karen, thank you so much for joining the Chat About Children episode today. And we've we've had a good chat about raising kids to look after the environment. And you have done, as I said earlier, some wonderful work advocating, writing books, writing books and sharing your message through books and through story, which is very, very powerful. Where can we learn more about you and about your books, of course? Okay. Well, I have a website and it's called karentyrrell.com double R, double L. And Matt, um, and if you want to look at the Songbird series, I have a tab at the top. It says Songbird Superhero. And you click on the tab, you can find out more about my books there. And also at the top of my website, I have tabs for free teacher notes and free kids activities. And you just click on that and it's a, you know scroll down and find any of my 10 children's books. Fantastic. And the teacher notes are really helpful for the teachers that are overscheduled and super busy and just need something, you know, an easy, easy guideline that they can just grab and incorporate with your books. And the kids' activities sound like fun. We've got school holidays coming up soon enough. So why not, uh, why not enjoy the school holiday period and reconnect with nature a little and have a look at, at those activities to complement? Yeah, they're all free. So they're, I suggest that they download them first, then print them because the Next to picture, the activity, the page just a slightly bigger. The pictures on the page. There's and some. I think the Great Barrier Reef is about twenty or thirty pages there. There's a, I was working with the Queensland government with the environment environmental sections, and they gave me a free app for um for the on the Great Barrier Reef. If you go to my teacher resources and kids activities on my on the top of my website. You scroll down to Great Barrier Reef Rescue, which is my my book. There's an app there on the teacher notes and in the kids' activities, and it's a free app on the Great Barrier Reef. It was given to me by the Queensland Government. Fantastic. Oh, it's, it's great to see you getting all that support too. That really helps get the message across. So well done, Karen. Yeah, thank you very much. Like you've also given me many links back to the, to their sites. So yeah, I work closely with the Queensland government in both Rainforest Rescue and Rain, Songbird Rainforest Rescue and Songbird uh, Great Barrier Reef Rescue. 
Fantastic. So there's four books in that series. Now tell me, are there are there any other Songbird, you know, books due in, in the years to come or is four it? I'm working on number five. I won't say the title because the title could be changed, but I'm saying this, it's about current eco conditions in the world. Okay. And what children can do. Oh, good. Okay. So it's going to be a real practical, like what kids can do. Fantastic. Okay. So watch this space. Hey, Karen. Of course, it will be a songbird adventure as well, superhero adventure. Yep. But I always have, um, I weave the facts and suggestions into the story. Plus at the end, there's going there's, there's always a um, sort of all practical notes of what kids can do in, in the world and in their classroom and at home and things like that to, to help um, remedy the situation. Yeah. Fantastic. That is wonderful. Well, congratulations. Look forward to learning more about when that fifth book comes out. But in the meantime, thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing in raising awareness and advocating an education out there. And yeah, and I think we've uh, explored some really practical tips today on how to raise kids to uh, help look after the environment. Thank you so much for joining the Chat About Children, Karen. Thanks very much, Sonia. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Lovely chat there with Karen Tyrrell, who works tirelessly in promoting positive messages and creating eco-warrior children around the world. She certainly does have a passion for looking after our planet and hopes to instill that within the children that we raise today. For parents and educators out there looking to facilitate and increase that learning and that teaching to children when it comes to the environment and our planet, remember to check out Karen's website, which is karentyrrell.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to share with family, friends and colleagues. And I welcome you to also leave a rating and review. And if you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to the Chat About Children podcast. Remember to check out the website too, chataboutchildren.com, so you can check out all our previous episodes as well as the free resources that we have available to you. I thank you so much for your attention today. I celebrate you. Chat soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestelich, www.chataboutchildren.com.